0: Okay, we welcome you to another episode of Learning Stories. This is a show where we profile a diverse set of learners from the 21st century. In each episode of this show, we interview a guest who has a story to share about how they acquired a set of skills and knowledge in a creative and innovative manner. In the process, we hope to uncover a new understanding of learning as conceptualized, um, narrated, and imagined by the guest on our show. Today's guest, Devita Sahajwala, is someone um, whose journey I've been following for a long time. And um, I always found it inspiring how she created um, a path for herself um, in the world of dance. And just to give you a little background about Devita before we jump into the conversation, and hopefully I will be doing less of the talking and we'll be able to hear more from Devita. But Devita is a dancer currently living in New York City. She graduated from the certificate program at Perry Dance Center in the Ballet and Contemporary Track in June 2021. With a background in Odissi, which is an Indian classical dance form, um, jazz, contemporary movement and street commercial forms, she has now started to venture into ballroom dancing as well. A performer and an instructor, she hopes to take on various venues of dancing in one of the capitals of dance in the world. Um, so Divita, that's you know, about your that's that's a little bit about you, but you know, I I wanted to backtrack a little before we go into the world of dance. I'm curious about, you know, what you were like as a student growing up. You know, what was um, I mean, where did you grow up? What were some of your earliest childhood influences? Um, your parents and some of these subjects you were maybe interested in at school or anything else you'd like to tell us about um, Devita as a as a child growing up
1: so um, I am actually from Rajasthan from Ajmer a small town in Rajasthan and uh, growing up both my parents were always working so I actually kind of grew up with my grandparents And when I think I was about the age of nine, I went to a boarding school for the next nine years of my life. That is where I was actually introduced to Indian classical. Prior to that, I saw a lot of Bollywood movies and a lot of uh, music videos. Whenever I used to have free time and I used to, I still remember, stand in front of the TV and try and copy the heroine's um, dance steps. Or the background uh, background dancers dance step. And um, that's where I used to hear a lot of people say to me, oh my God, that's actually pretty uncanny. And that is actually very graceful. You're managing to do that and understand uh, pretty much the exact movements and the right limbs to move. So for a kid, that was pretty interesting for a lot of people um anyway fast track we go ahead go into boarding school um I think I was about in eighth grade when I was kind of discovered by a choreographer who had come to visit and kind of work with some of us dancers in the boarding school and he he really encouraged me to go ahead and take dancing up he said think about it start training as soon as you get the opportunity continue your Indian classical training and I think I was always inclined to like I was inclined towards dancing from a very young age it but it's just that I did not get uh the exposure to western dancing at a young age I got it when I was about the age of 20 that's when I went for my first jazz class and I'm like oh okay this is something I always wanted to try um so growing up while I was I wasn't very studious but at the same time I was a good student um I think I really enjoyed literature I enjoyed yes, mathematics I kind of considered myself to be a logical person Mm-hmm. So, I think I got those things from my parents as well as my grandparents. So, I, when it came to like kind of deciding on which stream to choose, for example, to study further, it, I found it extremely hard. Deep down, I kind of wanted to take art mm-hmm. because that's where I felt that I was more inclined and uh, kind of had a flair for. However, you know, when you're young, your parents are trying to guide you and they're like, you should take up science. You know, if you don't know, you will still be safe. You can always change your stream, things like that. Uh, so I kind of compromised and I said, OK, I will go ahead and take up commerce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, long story short, I ended up choosing commerce in which my primary focus became economics and I enjoyed economics a lot in that and uh, economics along with statistics and politi- politi- like, political science. So these things kind of interest me. So actually that is of relevance because that also kind of um, drives a lot of artists mm. to create different work. So I guess that is where a lot of my thoughts and influences Started to come from at a very young age, all of that kind of just mixed up. So nothing was irrelevant just because I chose dancing later in my life. Mm-hmm. Everything prior to that makes me who I am as well. So it wasn't like a new life when I, you know, turned 2021. 20, so I still remember, I think I was about to finish school when mm-hmm. I was watching this one episode of So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. And I remember watching this one couple I don't remember the name of anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: And I thought to myself, I'm going to dance like that someday. I really <laughs> want to do it. Today, I can say that I can do pretty much all those steps which I saw back then.
2: Wow. that's That's amazing. Pretty
1: much about 70 to 80 percent I can do
2: wow.
1: the only thing that was that is kind of like missing in me would have been like gymnastics but if I get like um support with a partner I can do those moves too some of them wow. so I think it was just like a like I I kind of visualize myself doing that and this is where I am today, moving towards it you know, for like even more towards
0: it wow that's that's such an amazing story there Thay, you know because as children i I think there are so many things that catch our attention, you know, but you were able to follow that initial curiosity into actually not only visualizing it back then but manifesting it um in your life today, you know and i i mean i i I know everyone you know can dance and you know, I, I love dancing when I'm in a social situation with friends. And I think it's just such a wonderful way to get connected to your body and also understand um, how you can connect to other people in a social setting. And what I find fascinating is that almost every culture in the world has its own dance form. And I know both of us are from India. And almost I think each state in the country has something unique related to the to dance and the performing arts. And, and there's such a wonderful history um to that culture but not just india but every country in the world in a lot of ways has something that represents their values and beliefs in the form of this wonderful performing art you know but like as a child if someone wants to take up dance because a lot of the listeners of this podcast are you know youngsters or students that are still in university and even parents um or other young people that want to take up dance so if you do want to learn dance, what are some of the possible pathways um, that you can look up as a student?
1: I think uh, while there is advantage in starting early, mm-hmm. um, more than half the time people are people being like whoever's interested in dancing, as well as uh, their relatives. They are just scared that the industry will not support you because only the top dancers get booked or paid and while that is true I have also come to realize that no matter how good or bad you are somehow or the other you are going to find a place for yourself it is um how do I say it quite right Everyone who goes ahead and pursues a law degree is not the top lawyer of a country.
2: True, yeah.
1: yeah. I have seen so many lawyers sitting outside, say, Ajmer court, you know,
2: Yeah. So doing sure.
1: basic paperwork.
2: Yeah.
1: What was the whole point? If that is how you want to go ahead and spend the rest of your life, you might as well just go ahead and pursue what you truly like and you're going to even if the monetary reward doesn't come through as fast as you wish to,
2: yeah.
1: um, you're still going to get a lot of creat- creativity going as well as a lot of self-validation because you know what you're developing rather than developing something which you've only been told to do. Sure. If you want to start dancing, the best way is to actually get yourself enrolled into classes. Okay. A lot of Uh, I have worked with academies in the past in India and now I am working again in a studio and I'm actually working as an instructor as I stated earlier. And I see a lot of people who are interested in dancing take a couple of classes and then they kind of leave. And they do not go ahead and pursue it simply because they cannot think that they could reach a certain level of skill set in dancing and something which is going to like a certain level which will make them enjoy the flow of this form okay okay so instead of you know just being a student at least becoming kind of an amateur a lot of people don't believe that that's possible for them and uh the only way you can really actually get into anything, anything in life is practicing. Cool. So get yourself enrolled in classes and practice, invest. It's just like how you would invest in starting to become a chartered accountant or to become a lawyer or to become a doctor, how you would go ahead and invest in a tutor. Go ahead and invest in a dance instructor go ahead just like the way you would uh, invest in a gym trainer
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're never going to go ahead and become a bodybuilder cool. but you're still going ahead and investing in a personal trainer why is that yeah it's the same thing so anytime be it whether you're trying to be a professional or whether you're trying to pursue it as a hobby you need to invest a certain number of hours with an instructor at least and that's not a short amount if you really enjoy it go ahead and do it because it's really going to benefit you it may not benefit you monetarily yeah. but it will benefit you to connect and to feel something bigger than just yourself and what life you're living wow. so that's i think where you want to start just enroll yeah. go for it
0: yeah and and that's a great starting point devita i think you know um, a lot of us think that we have to figure everything out on our own with regards to dance. But what you said, if you had to, if you were, if you wanted to go to the gym, you would maybe, you know, have someone guide you over there. Similarly, I think there are lots of benefits to having a mentor or an instructor that understands the nitty gritties of the dance form to actually guide you through that process. And, and I think that can keep the motivation going. And I, I think it's because I work in an elementary school right now, there, and I see my kids, um, you know, they're very often a lot of the um, curriculum is structured around sitting in rows and desks or, you know, sitting down for a long time. And, you know, they do have physical education, which is one or two classes a week. But I I was always, you know, there's no block dedicated to only dance, though there is a block dedicated to music. And I, I always started wondering why so, because I think dance is as important as any other performing art whether it's art i mean the visual arts or music so why don't we have a block for dance you know and that's something i as a teacher i started thinking about because i think at a young age it's so important for children to not only connect to you know their physical bodies but understand how they can use it to express themselves you don't only have to use words to express emotions you can and and some of the most amazing dance performances i've seen and if you do get a chance please do follow devita you know on instagram i think she's got some wonderful you know performance pieces there that are and i i think you can capture a lot of emotions in dance and communicate it in this wonderful beautiful way you know for someone that doesn't know too much about dance devita if you had to tell me a little bit about you know the different types of dance forms um around the world And how are they different from each other um, in terms of physical movement? I'm, I'm just very curious about it as, you know, someone that wants to understand the art better. But I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: So the world that I have kind of gotten into for dancing is more on the concert side. Okay. So while I started, every society has their own dance forms and art forms and most of the societies actually start their dancing from their folk dancing and all of those dancing the dancing usually happens primarily to celebrate some or the other event um but when you see the concert world that kind of has now become more formal and commercialized um a lot of uh other dancing which you see which is on tv as background dancers for various artists etc comes from basically entertainment element of street folk dancing it is uh again that is highly commercialized primarily because of the artists you'll be dancing behind mm-hmm. um so There is no real particular way of distinguishing based on body movement because I have seen different dance forms imbibe soft as well as harsh or very clear staccato movements as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it is more about the purpose or the mannerism of your dancing. So the dance world that I am in currently is more on the concert side, which primarily stems from ballet world. Ballet came from a lot of concert come folk dancing in France, and that's where it was developed and developed and codified. And then later, uh, with one of their kings, it became more of a formal event. So uh, if you see similarly in Indian classical dance form, I will not really say Bharatnatyam for that, but various other forms such as maybe Kathak and Odissi, they all were basically eventually codified and they were all done either for appeasement of the royal family or for um, uh, offerings to gods and Mm. deities. Um, So when you come up with these things it creates a lot of body movement but today in today's day and age there a lot of dancers have also kind of broken away from those codified dance forms and structures and started to destructure and mix various forms and that is what contemporary really stands for so if you see the contemporary dancing which was taking place in primarily a lot of Europe and America in 60s, 50s, 70s, 1900s, of course, Um, they were breaking away primarily from ballet. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, in today's day and age, contemporary is breaking away from ballet. The contemporary, which is now called modern, which came after ballet, they're also breaking away from that Mm-hmm. And they're coming up with a whole new idea of movement, which, imba- which does have that technique and skill, but there's a lot more freedom that comes with it to experiment with your skeleton and your movement and your energy and different dance styles. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the city of New York, you're going to have different contemporary dancers who are going to bring in different flavors. So there are, say maybe some hispanic dancers who are going to bring in their flavors there are some indian dancers who are going to bring in their flavors to the contemporary movement there are some black dancers who are going to bring in their movement and their flavor to it so it is a very interesting period uh sometimes it can get very abstract so for a common or a lay person it's like what are they doing but it's you need to all you need to also understand we are living in an era of being entertained in a very to the point yep. manner. Mm-hmm. So there is nothing really left to your imagination, sure. and a lot of people are not very perceptive anymore. So I think um, a lot of common I mean lay people will be challenged if mm-hmm. they go ahead and watch. These performances of concerts, because that is where their imagination, their perception, and their um, compassion are those levels are pushed. Mm. So, um, as a dancer today, you can go from being a ballet dancer to being a contemporary dancer to being just a movement artist not with any company at all doing your own creations, or you can be a Broadway theater dancer, or you can be with a jazz company, or you can be a street dancer creating various street, hip hop, heels, uh, voguing pieces, which are again, very, very, very expressive of marginalized society's way of living so there is basically no real limitation to dancers anymore as as there used to be there are no rules or backgrounds to it so when you see it from outside and you're not very aware of dancing all I can say is jump in Mm -hmm. go to performances because after seeing the first 10 performances you're going to start linking to different other things which are happening culturally be dance music uh, theater etc so the best way to start is just look up your nearest dance company and dig in dive in
0: awesome yeah that's and how you get through i mean i really like how you articulated your thoughts about it David. and i feel like you've put a lot of thought into this and just in terms of how you spoke about, you know, how the, the more classical structured forms, you know, at a particular time they served a purpose, but now, you know, with the contemporary styles, there is this um, ability to also bring in your own culture into the larger cultural discourse. Right. And I think that's amazing because it shows you that um, dance is also responding to the world of the people that it coexists in and, and I think that that is that is a very powerful way for humans to um, not only express their understanding of the world at a particular time but also say something more and challenge us to think beyond and and I think any work of art, whether it's literature or music, in a lot of ways you know it it helps us not only challenge our thinking but also helps us imagine possibilities that we may have not been exposed to on a day-to-day basis. And
1: exactly, and that is not to say that those classical forms do not exist. They
0: mm-hmm. they,
1: they are your foundation. They actually help you a lot more than you can really imagine because it is something which one of our artistic directors, when I was back home, he says that you cannot destructure if you don't have a structure. So, you know, you can't just become a dancer without really knowing what your crux is and uh it's also really interesting because dancing also kind of shows how your society is evolving big time big time it shows the kind of dances that you know are highlighted in a particular period of time the society lives in that format Oh, okay. So for example, when you had ballet peaking at it, you know, when it was peaking, you had a society which was a little more <laughs> um, you know, trying to be a little more uh maybe civilized,
2: yeah, maybe
1: yep. more restrictive. Sure. Thinking these things are this is what the right way or the correct way of living is, whereas mm-hmm. this is not okay. This is primitive. This is uncivilized.
0: So you would know? you say it was a class battle in some way? Of
1: yeah. course, of course. Dance always ends up reflecting the human condition. Wow, okay. That's, That's really something deep. which I have always felt. Mm-hmm. It, is, it also goes on to the individual level. The way you dance with somebody, especially when you're doing a lot of partner dancing, the way someone is dancing with you is who they are
0: in their life. Yeah, because it's such an intimate, I mean, it's such an intimate um, act, right? When you are opening up um, to another person in that way. And um, I think, yeah, I completely agree. And I never thought about yeah. that because I. I yeah, think- your body
1: reflects and moves the way you are in your mind. So That is the reason why your body will always. If, if you're a rigid person, your body is going to be rigid when you're on the dance floor. If you're a fluid person, it's going to be more fluid. If you're a little more structured in your mind, you're going to be more coordinated in your movement. So you can see these things and you can see, like, for example, if you're working with various wedding couples, you can see what their equation is mm-hmm. simply by the way they dance and they interact on the dance floor.
2: Oh, so do you, Similarly, do you, sorry,
1: when it builds up, yeah, when it builds up, it, it kind of reflects the society. mm
0: mm-hmm. No, that's, and but do you think it also transfers the other way around, Devita? For someone that, you know, is, um, that physically, you know, feels a lot more rigid, you know, and um, do you feel like the ability to open up through dancing can transfer onto um, their personal and professional lives and the way they look at the world and approach it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Absolutely, it's just like, Many times when you read a lot of wellness articles, they will always tell you to first tidy yourself up in the morning, physically. Mm. Hence, you go to the loo, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, you tidy yourself up and then start to tidy the environment around you. You feel a lot more clearer in your life and in your day. Mm. Similarly, when you do your movement in the morning, when you do, for example, some basic simple stretches and some breathing exercises, there is more flow to your day simply because your mind and your body have opened up to energy.
2: Awesome.
1: Similarly, when you go ahead and you start playing a new sport or when you start to get more exercise and, or you start to do something new with a certain particular purpose, it starts to change you. Similarly, if you feel that, you know, you feel rigid, but you want to use dance to get rid of that, rigidity and become a little more you know outgoing it definitely helps I think it is all in your mind Mm. so you can go outside in or inside out as long as your intention is inwards you know what I mean yeah so it definitely helps even if you start that way
0: that's that's beautiful and I, I understand now now I feel like you'd be such a good instructor Devita because You not only explain the purpose, but I feel like now I slowly understand the why of dancing. And, you know, I know I've not been part of any of your classes, but if you ever do something online, um, I think it would be awesome for people around the world to not only because I think whenever you are with an instructor, you know, um, I feel like you have a very strong understanding of the theory and, and the practice. And I feel like as a student, that would be a really int- intriguing or interesting combination for me to want to know more you know and and I feel like I, I get that from you so I hope one day you're able to do something digital for more people around the world I know right now you do offer classes around New York City and uh, if anyone is in New York City and listening to this I highly recommend you know reaching out to Divita and maybe joining one of those classes but Devita you know I I know I went off on a tangent to a dance, but one of the things I really wanted to um, you know, understand is that decision you made, um, I know you studied in uh, Mumbai, um, you went to university in Mumbai, and um, then you decided to immigrate to another country to take up a course in dance. So what was your thought process behind that move? And um, yeah, I'm just curious about that at this point of time. And then what was your experience in the course actually like? And this is for someone that wants to take the same path at this point in their life, you know, and um, yeah
1: in it was um, <laughs> this was a very hard decision for me to make, um a lot of my friends who were around me, primarily a lot of dance friends and some. Some college friends, including Samia and stuff, yeah.
2: um
1: they saw me go through some real struggle making m- making up my mind and actually deciding on this. I did not have, um, I mean, I had parents who were supportive, but they were not supportive up to such, you know, up to such an extent that dance would really be the right answer for me, especially when it came to. Um, you know, financial freedom and stuff. Um also for me as a person I'm more of a I need to have peace in like around me in my environment. So in order to keep peace, say, in the house and stuff like that, I you know, kind of delayed it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'll do university. Then I will see. Then I kick the can a little longer. I'm like, you know, I will take one year break, and I will continue to dance for a bit, and then I will see what is it that I want to do. Long story short, I still remember. I there was this um there was this teacher from New York, uh, a Paul Taylor. company teacher from new york who came down for six months to work with our academy okay and that was around the time when i was thinking whether i'm interested in pursuing dance or not and i was you know with the encouragement of my mom as well as my dad they're like if you are interested start looking up dance courses got it so i was looking them up um when he came down, I asked him, what do you think would be the right answer for me? So he asked me whether I had already done university. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I have done bachelor's, but not like in dance. He's like, that doesn't matter. But you already have this kind of experience. So you know what, based on this, maybe he he recommended the Perry dance course. Okay. And my two mentors in the dance academy I was in, in India they encouraged me they said if you really want to try dancing this is the time you will you can always go back to another degree later you cannot go back to dancing your body once it gives up it gives up it's not gonna your body at 40 or 50 is not what it is good what it was at 20 right yeah so if you want to give this a shot it is now and if you choose this now, there's no real going back in the sense that you cannot say, oh, I'm going to try this for a while and then see what happens. It doesn't work like that because mm-hmm. trying doesn't get you anywhere. Yep. So either you dive in or just simply choose something else. Got
0: it. You went so full in in a lot I, of
1: ways. I'll be very, very honest. I still mentally did not go in full full out back okay. then. Yes. It was the I on a personal level was scared. I understand I was it. extremely scared. Yes. I have I hadn't seen anybody except for of course my, you know, uh teachers and mentors in that current academy. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen enough people make it.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: hadn't seen the success rate. And on top of that, I think at that moment I was also kind of lacking a certain level of self-confidence that comes when you go to a bigger pond. Right. right now, I was kind of big-ish in a small pond. But when you go out into the real world, you when you come to, say, a New York City, yeah. okay, for the first two years, you're going to be in a program, you're still protected. But in that program, you also get to rub shoulders with industry dancers who are coming to take those same classes and that is when reality hits you it's like oh my god I I was not expecting this my first year I actually honestly got only about six months of in studio like studio time because right after that pandemic hit so that was another story, wow. which <laughs> which made my dance journey over here very interesting. But we'll touch on that later. But even in those six months, it was really tough for me. Immediately within those six months, I'm like, I need a break. Oh, so I couldn't it, keep
0: up. Was it that intense in terms of, because I think you were dancing with really competent um, other dancers and was it the structure of the class, the nature of the dance form? or It was everything.
1: It was, you suddenly came into the presence of a lot of people, a lot of dancers who had been dancing from their teen or preteen years. Hmm. And they were very accustomed to the movements. Even if they were relatively new to that coach or that teacher, they knew what to expect. I didn't. A lot of my um, program students, my fellow students had already been to New York once or twice Mm. and trained for a month, if not a little longer before choosing the program. This, I was here at the age of 25, leaving everything behind, leaving pretty much all the options behind and saying, this is what I want to do. Mm. It was hard.
0: I I, I it totally was really, but...
1: It was especially hard because I all I also used to hear from my dear and close ones that you're actually a pretty smart, intelligent girl. You can make a career in whatever it is that you choose. So you don't necessarily have to rely and depend on this decision of having chosen dance. So I always had that option to get out. Got it. Yeah. And I think subconsciously, I was always looking at, is this my option to get out? Is this the sign I'm supposed to be looking at? So that really messed with my head. So it took me a while to really settle into this role and idea of being a dancer. To imbibe it and become a dancer. Wow.
0: That, that was
1: that... a huge that and, was a huge transformation is, is that
0: but do you feel like that is a process each dancer goes through um individually
1: oh yes. oh yes yeah. i have seen some really good dancers get up one day and say they're done wow they are young they just don't want to pursue it anymore it's wow. too much
0: because they're like
1: no we don't want to do it
0: yeah because it this seems like i mean as, as someone listening to you, it seems like it's as much a mental process as it is a physical process, you know, and yeah. I think both of them need to combine together for you to truly imbibe that identity of being a dancer. Because I think when you are actually performing or whether it's a class or an actual performance, um, you are there. I mean, everyone, everyone's emotional and physical state is dependent on how you present yourself on the stage. And, and I... I assume those doubts can also, you know, jump into the performance. And, but I, I think this is really fascinating, like hearing you talk about this. Devitan. what was the structure of that course? I mean, uh, I know you said it was two years. So, um, like, do you, do you learn in a classroom? Do you learn in a performance space? And then the second year is like a co-op where you work with other dancers. So how, how, is, that, how is that course structured?
1: The course was structured more around techniques than uh, performance. We got a lot of, uh, or at least we were supposed to get a lot of performance opportunity. Uh, However, it didn't really work out that way simply because of the pandemic. So a lot of things were restricted for our batch. We basically graduated during pandemic.
2: Um,
1: So the structure basically was that we had regular ballet, Monday to Friday. Um, We had two or three techniques. Two technique classes in American modern forms, and a couple of compulsory classes to take uh, in contemporary movement, primarily with different instructors, and those contemporary classes would change every semester for us. Okay. On top of which, we were given the freedom to choose two other classes which we would like to take.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Our electives and. Every batch had kind of their own, uh, you know, kind of guidelines to choose their electives. Okay. And uh, like, for example, in our batch, it was a little more strict to choose, like, more on the contemporary side rather than anything commercial, because at Perry Dance, we also have a lot of commercial teachers, very well known in the industry, who come and teach. However, we were encouraged to take more contemporary classes at that moment simply because we were in the contemporary ballet track. So basically, this was the structure for four years, along with which we also had some theory classes like understanding dance history, understanding anatomy, understanding also the history of not just concert dancing, but street dancing, especially the ones, the one which came out, came up in New York as well as in the rest of the United States. So, um, plus we also had things like, I think, composition. Mm -hmm. How is it that you can create a piece? Or also understanding a little bit of stage management. Mm -hmm. So these were some of the theory classes which we had. So basically, the idea was that uh, you're a pre-professional who's going to be exposed to various other concepts. Hmm. Of dancing, and you're not just going to be dancing. In this program, I also came across some dancers who were not pre professional, but they were actually kind of professional in their country. Hmm. But in order to kind of naturalize into the industry over here, you have to go through basically a program. 90%. That's the easiest way for you to get to work over here. So, for example, there is currently still um a senior of mine i I consider her my senior and um from india itself who is still enrolled in a program in perry dance simply because she needs to naturalize into the industry over here I see. though she is completely capable of working as a professional in this industry but mm. that's just the process and i see that coming from so many other countries not just india japanese dancers and korean dancers and this and that a lot of them they are already professionals, so they just have to go through this process so
0: it seems but like a credential that you need to have to kind be able... of kind
1: of i think that is also kind of um how the american system works
0: mm-hmm.
1: also and now that i'm noticing it's not anymore just in america it's also kind of spreading to various other countries primarily because of immigration you know policies mm it's not get it's not that easy to just score a job abroad like the way it was during our uh, parents time you couldn't just like apply and if you got through they would help you with your visas and you could come in yeah it's not like that anymore yeah. but my my program to get back to the point my program was more on the technical aspect of movement and dancing and yeah But it basically exposed me to a big range of motion from a very clear, codified way to a very free, free will way of moving. Mm. So this entire range gets covered. And two years is not enough. You want to just keep going through it. You know, Yeah. you always learn.
0: But I think that uh, the fact that that formal training, I think it it prepared you to be able to not only understand the entire gamut of possibilities in the world of dance, but also eventually get to a point where you can not only innovate and tinker with um, the, the forms and the styles, but maybe even create your own sort of product. I mean, or your own sort of form or style of dance, right? I think, do you think you'd be able to sort of get the same experience without that formal structure in that institute
1: absolutely not Hmm. absolutely not be at this institute or the various other institutes either way i i personally like the idea of sitting for a few hours with a professional to sit and actually learn things that's how i like i'm a little traditional that way and uh I don't personally believe any other way of getting into this industry would have worked for me. So, for example, even back home, um, while we were working with that academy, we Mm. also had to train. And training is the time when you have to be aware. And I think I was one of those Uh, dancers usually in the studio who was always trying to really focus on what the instructor was saying. I did not, I didn't like zoning out as much. Sometimes, yes, of course, you know, it gets a little too monotonous or like there's this particular similar way of working, but then by the end of the day, just focusing on what the instructor is saying. Mm. helps you a lot. So you do need that formal way of working, mm. just like in any other discipline to actually make it or start off so that after a while of getting that formal training, you can slowly start to feel the layers to create something else.
0: Wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think in a lot of ways that's that follows the the structure that most other professions have. And I think for a young dancer Listening to you know this video or this podcast, I think, I think this is great guidance because they understand the benefits of a formal program like that. So, Devita, you know, I want to be respectful of time, and I I thank you so much for giving me you know that insight into that program and structure. But I wanted to also delve on your experience moving to another country, you know, and um, what it's like to you know not only study in another country but um, be an immigrant in in such a time in the world? Because just like you, I think in 2019, I moved to Canada, and um, I graduated from Teachers College during the pandemic as well. And it was really hard um, just being in school during the pandemic. Um, We had to go into classrooms where kids were wearing masks, you know, sitting um, in rows really far away from each other. So, you know, what was the experience moving to another country like for you? And how are you navigating you know some of the challenges and the highs of being um an immigrant um i think
1: moving to another country it was hard as it is prior to the pandemic the pandemic did not make it easier luckily for me i kind of settled well with people who i get to know and i had good roommates i had two three friends who i knew from school even over here so just that little bit of support helped me a lot second i also kind of grew up independent in a way simply because i was always in a, i was in a boarding school so i knew how to stay away from um family mm-hmm. so that kind of helped me continue living without my parents over here And then um, I was also kind of every like every week I was in touch with them. So just that kind of slowing down the pace of life during pandemic helped me get through it. Mm. Because suddenly I was not rushing towards a goal. I was slowing down the pace to see why I'm doing what I'm doing and what is of importance to me and various things changed in my life too during that time mm-hmm. so it while it wasn't an easy journey it, it was a journey worth having and it is still a journey which is taking me somewhere and i slowly learned how to use that to my advantage to try and go where i want to go mm-hmm. so um you know you have to like i still have issues of kind of like understanding How the credit system works or like what is this uh healthcare they have it's you know these things just don't make sense to me because i don't come from a very capitalist country i come from a kind of socialist capitalist mixed country so it's like this makes no sense it's all crazy you know being an immigrant you you do not get the advantage of having credit. Mm. Whereas you know you may just be way better at managing your money than so many other people you see you may see around you. Yeah. But you don't, so it can be very, very, very frustrating because you see everything moving around you, but you may be missing out. But when you are an immigrant, you need to understand one step at a time solves a lot more than trying to take a hundred in various directions.
0: True. yeah you you try to take a day on day, right in a lot of yeah
1: times,
0: right? yeah and I, I I completely relate to that as well, devita because i I think as an immigrant sometimes you can't take things for granted, you know because you have a lot invested in your life in this other country, but there are also times when you know you just feel alone because you're away from family and I think in a lot of ways friends become family at that point of time. In your life yeah. as well, right? And you know, Devita, I, I wanted to also you know talk about your favorite dancers or dance performances, you know, because a lot of, um, I think a lot of your friends and other colleagues will be, uh, listening to this, but also young dancers, um, you know, that want to take up you know dance professionally. So, is there someone or you know any websites or any dancers who's who have really inspired you that you would recommend we can look up?
1: will be very honest um i am not (laughs) um i do not know how to pronounce their name but i post a lot of their stuff on my uh stories okay but uh for me i am more i'm most fascinated by contemporary dancers who come from a balletic background and I like contemporary dancers with a lot of intention and way of storytelling in an artistic, ambiguous way. And um. so therefore, like, there are different companies here and there, which I follow. You can always look at my Instagram. I
0: keep posting their um, stories, et cetera. Which I will include. And... I'll, I'll include in the show notes, Devita. And if anyone does want to follow Devita, I think one hour is just not enough to really... Understand everything about her work, but please do follow divita um right after this conversation but sorry, go ahead, divita.
1: yeah, so you can see a lot of those things there that's all
0: <laughs> awesome, yeah, and I think I think that's great, like apart from dance divita, I know we've spoken about dance so much, like what are some of your other interests and hobbies that you know that that you really growth. okay and and what would that like look like I,
1: right, away. I just feel that for me um. One thing which is of utmost importance is if you want to live a good life, you mm-hmm. need to be self aware
2: mm-hmm.
1: you cannot be um uh, unaware of what you're doing what you're setting what you're thinking what you are how you're talking how you're behaving how you're living if you want to grow got it so a lot of um growth oriented content is something I'm extremely extremely interested in so sometimes I also kind of think of what is it that I want to do after dancing professionally I usually feel I'm more inclined towards coaching and I'm not interested in just coaching dancers but I'm interested in coaching them not just physically but for example mentally and psychologically Mm. it is that is what my journey is taking me because it's not easy a lot of things, understanding life and understanding so many things that are happening around us, which in our generation, we are aware of.
2: Mm.
1: You know, we have social media, we will always know politically, economically, socially, what is happening. And that affects us. And that also starts to affect our perception of what we want to do in our life and whether that career option or that profession is fulfilling our purpose. Mm. So these things are often, great importance
0: to me wow and i think i think you'd be great as um because you're very easy to talk to divita and i think that that is something that a lot of professions um really would benefit from you know and um i think coaching would be something that would definitely be up your alley and for me like for personal growth i often look at reading as an avenue that has really helped me open up my world and um I think podcasts were another like source for me to hear other experiences and other worldviews. But I think reading was one avenue that um, changed my life. But um, and and will you be using Instagram to maybe talk more about the personal growth side as well, Devita? Or
1: I usually do not use Instagram for that. Okay, I don't. I don't know why that is sometimes I just feel that everyone has so much going on that I don't really need to be the one telling them there's already so much content out there for you to read if you're interested in reading them um but if there's anybody who's ever interested in talking about these things I am always open to you know discussing like getting in touch with people and helping them through these things and maybe even you know getting ideas from them opening my mind to what they feel and think it's always and i think that comes from having compassion
0: so yep. you know yep and, and you know just to like like the last question i wanted to ask you vivita again i i actually read this in another i heard this in another podcast i think it's the tim ferris podcast and he had this question where he'd ask his um listeners or his guests. I mean, if you had a large billboard with one saying that everyone could read about, um, let me I actually have the question here, one minute. I, I, I wrote this down because I really wanted to ask this to you. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say and why? It could be a few words or a paragraph. If helpful, it can also be someone else's quote. So what would your two words or line or paragraph be? And this could be like, you know, I I think in in New York, it's, uh, what's that place? Uh, Manhattan has that big central square. Times Square. Times Square, I'm sorry. You have Central Park and Times Square. So what would that sign be over there?
1: Of recent, I've been feeling and thinking of, no one is stopping you.
2: Mm. Like
1: and there are so many none of that none of which are coming to my mind right now Just <laughs> like i wasn't expect- i mean i was kind of expecting this question but you know when the moment arise uh arises uh you know it just goes like out of your mind
0: yeah
1: uh but i would definitely say uh no one is stopping you
0: awesome yeah and on that note um um, thank you, Divita. This was amazing. i am really excited to follow your journey um as a professional. Um, I think you have so much to give the world, and uh, i I hope that in a small way, this was a visual archive of your thinking at this point of time. i I really think that if I chat with you one year, two years, or four years down the line, um you'll be a completely different person with and I hope I get to do that. and I've caught you on the way up. You know you're going to be a wonderful dancer and do so much for the world but thank you again for the listeners please do follow divita i will be linking her um, social handles um, in the show notes and uh, do reach out to her about her work in dance but also in the other areas that she's highly passionate about and um, until then you know please uh, keep listening uh, for more interesting interviews with some amazing people around the world um, Devita, thank you so much again. Is um, there anything else you want to say before we um, end the chat?
1: No, I just want to thank you for having me. Um, I really was not expecting anyone to reach out to me right now, especially because of recent I've not really been posting that much content on my uh, Instagram. So, you know, when, when you're not as active, suddenly a lot of people kind of you know start looking at other things because that's just the nature of our social media with Instagram and TikTok so when you reached out to me I was like yes it's been a while since you know I've had a chat with somebody so yes let's go ahead and do it and I'm thank you so much I'm so grateful that you did and I truly enjoyed it I didn't even realize this one hour passing by uh, this quick plus I had a very long day and I don't even feel tired anymore I just feel like I love talking about these things so this just kind of brought my energy levels up so thank you for that.
0: That's awesome. And I hope you do more of this. I think you will be an amazing teacher and coach and instructor, but I think you, I hope you go into the digital space at some point, because I think the world needs more amazing um, teachers like you. And as a teacher, I can completely see that in you. Um, And hopefully I'm able to attend one one of your dance classes someday, but thank you again. And uh, for the listeners, keep listening and keep learning and stay tuned for more such episodes from Learning Stories.